Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now back to the podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Matt Pierce. I am the learning and video ambassador for TechSmith and welcome to the Visual Lounge. Glad you're here. We're gonna be talking about making engaging videos. And what I want you to do for a second, ignore all the things around you, all the things you could be paying attention to and hang with me for a second because I want you to think about an engaging video. Think about one that you've seen that was just, you couldn't look away from, you had to watch, it was just, it. You, something you remember, something you, you drew you in. And I want you to think, what was it about that video that engaged you? Was there something, some component, the visual? Was it the sound? Was it the topic? What was it? My guess is there's actually one thing that really matters here, but we're gonna be talking about several things that you could be thinking about to help you make more engaging videos. Now, is it, there are silver bullet here that you can just say, yep, this is the one thing to do and all my videos will work. No, it doesn't work that way. However, by thinking through some of these different strategies, some of these different techniques, you can probably find a combination that on the regular will help draw your audience in, whether you're talking to them on YouTube or you're talking to them inside of your organization. Now, sometimes that might just mean that you need to mix it up. But we're gonna go through a whole bunch of different stuff and I wanna make sure we have time to do all that. We've got some examples, we've got some things to talk about because there's the passive side of this, what I like to call the passive things, things that you put in your video that just kind of happen. And then there are the active side of things, the things that you could do or have your audience do to pull them in. But here we go. So let's, let's start looking through some of these stuff. So let's talk about what is engagement and why is it so important? Because I think there's a lot of things like, well, in a corporate side of the world, like, well, do we need them to be engaged? What does that even mean? Why is that so important? And here's the thing. When you hear the word engagement, you're probably thinking something like a marriage engagement. Maybe like someone's going to get, uh, go, you know, ask their future spouse to be engaged. Will you marry me? Or something like that. And forget about that for a second. That's not what kind of engagement we're talking about. But we are talking about commitment. We want our audience to commit to our video, whatever it might be, the length of the video, the content of the video. And there's different levels that you might need them. If it's a corporate internal training that you're doing and that training is, it's like they have to do it because of legal reasons or because you feel so strongly about it, like engagement's probably not as a big of a thing, right? Because they're gonna have to do it. But if you're pulling up your video and it's like, well, it's kind of neat. It's, it's nice to have, or you're hoping that they find it because of SEO or on YouTube, or you've got, you know, you're doing customer education stuff. Engagement is way more important because you want, again, you're fighting for attention here. This is a battle of attention spans and wills of, because there's cat videos, there's music videos, there's chores, there's the pandemic, there's a million things that are gonna grab their attention and your video is just one of the potential things and you want a little piece of that. And so getting engagement is really important. And engagement is that, again, they're gonna focus on what you're having to offer. So it's it's easier said than it is done, It's but it's important to keep in mind as you build your videos and as you think about your videos, like, is this gonna pull them in or gonna lose them? And it's, you know, it's, it's always easier to lose them than it is to keep them. Here's the thing, and I apologize to everybody else who's gonna listen to this or stop right here. You could stop right here after this. Everything else is kind of like icing on the cake. But the most important thing in engagement, I'm just gonna give it away here because it's on screen. This is the most important thing. Your content, your video content, whether that's internal, external, again, all those parameters, has to feel and be relevant to your audience. If it is not relevant to your audience, game over. They don't care. So for instance, imagine that you're going to go try to solve some problem you've got around your house. That's an easy example, right? Because we can 
million of them. You need to figure out how to fix a leaky, a leaky faucet. Okay, you go to a video, and if that video is about fixing a leaky toilet, you're not interested. You have a faucet problem. If that faucet is so fancy and so different than the one that you have that you don't think it's gonna solve your problem, you're not gonna pay attention to it. Because again, relevancy is king here because most people will stop watching videos because it's not relevant to them. There's lots of ways to lose relevance. You know, you might go on too long about a story. You might tell too many different things. You might be going through steps that aren't important. It's kind of nice to know, but not essential to know. So whatever you're doing, make sure that your video is gonna line up with the relevancy. And, and someone might be saying, Matt, guess what? The relevancy of, of all this it's, it's, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know if it's relevant to them because they're searching for it. Well, then that's where lots of things come into play. And we've talked about this in the past, but just a quick mention, right? Thumbnails, description, and you've got uh, thumbnails, description, and titles. That's how you're going to tell, signal to them that, that it's relevant here. So be relevant. Is this guy relevant to me? Not one bit but I love him, he looks really cool, right? Because that's the other thing is you have to be interesting. If your video's not interesting, people also don't watch. Um, the interest might come in this fact that it solves a problem, it might answer a question, or, you know, I, I was sitting with my son the other day, he's nine, and we watched a, a well-known YouTuber, Mark Rober, and we watched probably an hour's worth of videos, which I'm a little bit embarrassed about as a parent, but it was great because we were learning some science, we were learning about things, and why did, were we willing to watch an hour of these videos is because it was really interesting. It filled kind of, it scratched kind of an intellectual itch. Uh, it helped me feel a little bit more well-rounded. He found it funny because, you know, you're blowing up glass with this giant horn or, you know, making these things that's really cool, making, shooting the elephant foam or elephant paste or whatever it is. So relevant. Not so much, but it was interesting. So we got this balance here. And those are the two most important things. Everything else after here, you can stop watching if you want to or stop listening. Everything else after here is just building towards those things. I think that's useful, but if it's not interesting or relevant, it's not gonna help. So let's keep going. Okay, we've got some data here and I'm gonna get myself out of the way so you can actually see the data. We've shown this data before, so don't be surprised by it. Top reasons why viewers stop watching videos. Again, this ties into what we just said, but some actual data from TechSmith research that we've put behind it. One, I was not getting the information I expected. I know it's a little cut off there. So you get in there, it's like, ah, it's about fixing a sink. And it's not, it's not about fixing a sink at all. It's about, you know, buying a new sink. Really? Not relevant. It was bored or it wasn't interesting. Again, comes into play here. I had something else to do. Okay. I can't fix that, right? I can't fix people that have something else to do. I can be conscious of their time though. So if people have other things that are busy inside your organization, you either need to give them opportunities and make it a window open for them so that they can have time to have, not have to do other things so they can get their training, or you need to find ways to help them to you know, ease the burden of their, what's on their plate or what's on their agenda or whatever it might be. It didn't cover the right topic, again, Title, description, and thumbnail need to lead you to understand what this is really gonna be about. They got distracted, the quality was poor. Uh, I think that's important, keep in mind, but it was a low number, some other things, it wasn't entertaining. We'll talk more about humor and entertaining in a couple of minutes. Again, relevance and interest. So there's about a million things that we could do here, right? There's a million different ways to make a video engaging. There is no one right way. In fact, you've got to figure out the style, the, the way that's going to work best for you. And as you go through this, just keep, keep a list. And we've got lots of places you can find this information, but be thinking in your head, what will work for my audience? It's not about you. I know we want to make a video about ourselves. It's about me, what I like, but really at the end of the day, it is about your audience that's going to watch this. And is are the things that are working for you going to work for them? So case in point, I made a video recently. I thought it was really good. It was a little bit longer. It was supposed to be a longer presentation. And I thought, you know what's really going to make this much more interesting? Keep it moving is I'm going to add some music to it. Well, Bright Matt thought that was a great idea, but what Matt didn't realize, 
speaking in the third person, was that that music, I didn't get it quite right. The music was distracting from the learning, and guess what? People said they couldn't watch it. I lost a number of viewers because they couldn't watch it. They, they said, oh, the music's too distracting, and they just quit. They didn't even give me a chance. Now, I went and rectified that problem, but it is a problem, And because I, I thought what would work well for me, the video without music was much, much better for the audience. Okay, so let's get into this idea of passive engagement. Passive engagement being when something's passive, it's not an action. It's just things that you're gonna build into your video that are just gonna happen to the viewer. They don't have to do much or anything at all to, to take advantage of it. Um, you know, it's it's really just something that as they're they're inside of this, they can they can just have it happen and hopefully it helps them focus and pay attention. Focus, right? So all right, storytelling. Now, storytelling, it's an interesting concept. Storytelling is one that's really old. We've been using storytelling for eons. Humans have become storytellers, and maybe we've lost a little bit of the magic about storytelling, but I doubt it. I look at what, like, Marvel Cinematic Universe, you look at, like, all these great stories that are coming out that are new and fresh, and or maybe even there's repeating ideas, but story will pull you in. If it's a good story, you're like, Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Tell, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. What happened next? I want to know what's next. Now, is storytelling right for every situation? Absolutely not. Because storytelling inherently has patterns and paths, right? You might be doing something that is much more kind of one, two, three. It's, it's procedural and the story really isn't interesting. Because what we don't want to do is have a really lo long tirade about how you got to the idea that you needed this and that you traveled to seven different places in most of our learning concepts, that's probably not not helpful. It might be interesting, but it's not maybe relevant or helpful unless it's teaching something. But there's lots of different story kind of methods, story arcs that you might want to pay attention to to help make your videos a little bit more interesting. One of the examples I don't we showed it last week, so I didn't want to show it again. Is uh, in the TechSmith Academy, there's a uh, great great video, basics of script writing, and it starts off with a, a woman on camera. And the person behind camera says, hey, you sure you don't want a script? She's like, nah, I'll wing it. And what do we see? She gets further and further and further out into the water until she's treading water and kind of flailing a little bit. And the whole, it's a metaphor, right? It's a story to help you understand why you need a script because without one, you're gonna probably flail a little bit. And so stories can be used in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's just to grab that initial attention. But a lot of stories look like this, right? There's some kind of setup. There's some type of confrontation, and then there's a resolution. And you can go follow the hero's journey, a great person who has great things about stories and using different patterns to make great presentations is Nancy Duarte. She's got a book called Resonate, highly recommend it. Um, she's just fantastic. I've had a chance to talk with her previously on um, an old long time ago show when we did live streaming way back, way back when. Uh, and, and I can't say enough good things about that because it helps you to understand different things about how storytelling, even in something very technical, can be very applicable in helping you tell and share good information. Let's watch a video. That's right, we're gonna watch videos today. We're gonna watch a video. This is a TechSmith video, and this is one of the early videos that I worked on when I moved from training and development into marketing, and I've kind of gone back and forth several times, so that's you know a long time ago. We wanted to tell a story, and I'm just gonna set it up here. I wanted to tell a story about how awesome the new feature at the time of removing a color in Camtasia is. And we thought, you know what would be really cool? Because we wanted to do some advertising, we wanna get people excited about it. What if instead of just making a a, a tutorial, which we had one, what, what, what do we actually show them how easy it is and how cool it is? And I'll tell you where we fell flat, and I've told this story many times, but we'll tell you where it falls flat, and if, you, or if you're listening to the podcast, I do, go recommend, go watch the video. Uh, we'll make it available in the show notes. I'll make sure that we have those all set up. But So we got this exciting video. You can see there's some cool elements in here, but let's go ahead and watch this one. Guys, what's going on? I need that presentation now. Don't worry, we're on it. Where is that footage? We're almost done, I'm on my way. I got the footage! I got the footage! Hand it over, we have to do this. 
I don't know if there's enough time. You've only got three minutes. Alright. Moment of truth. Survive another presentation of Camtasia. So I love that video still. It's still so much fun to watch. I've watched it like probably 50 to a thousand times. It's It's been a lot. Things I like about it, there's a quick kind of overarching story, right? We have this problem. There's a there's a clear like conflict. We see the hero gets to a resolution. Our pre presenter is successful. So all really good stuff. Now, here's a little secret I probably shouldn't tell anyone because it is a failing of this video is there's a signal in this story that I didn't think about. And the signal is that when people applaud and cheer, that is usually the end. In this video, if you didn't know that this was about Camtasia, if I hadn't prepped that piece of the video, you'd probably be like, what is this for? What is this about? Why are they showing this to me? Unless you watch all the way all the way to the end. Now the thing is though, when people applaud and clap, guess what people also did? They stopped watching the video. So the story was good. The idea was good. We missed on the kind of final ex execution in terms of making that work. But what, what I do think, again, you can put little stories in there. And one of the cool things with this video is we made a follow-up video. And in the follow-up video, same guys, they're all TechSmith employees, by the way, or were, uh, he, the guy that did the clicking and said, this better work, he actually makes a quick tutorial to show how easy it was and how they did that so quickly. So, you know, you can use story to a lot of different ways. It can branch off to other kind of teaching opportunities because hopefully if you saw that, you're like, I want to know what did that. Hopefully you get that point out of it. So anyway, let's, uh, let's keep going here. So the next one up here, conversational. A lot of videos, especially if you're making tutorial videos, technical videos, the idea is you probably want to be technical. Subject matter experts or people you're working with to help you make your videos are oftentimes going to be saying things like really complex words that maybe you've never heard before. But here's the thing. Videos work best and are, I think, are more engaging when they're conversational rather than highly technical. Now, I get it. If you are in a field that is very technical, there are probably reasons you're using a very specific word versus some kind of more casual lingo. For instance, med medical, right? You don't want your doctor talking, teaching other doctors like, well, go in there and get the the uh, the what's it and the who's it, and you know, you just zip it together. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, so you, what you really want to be thinking about is when is the technical language necessary? And if you have a video, keep it conversational. Keep it, you know, use your contractions. You don't have to use, uh, you know, I am. You can use I'm. It's it's a simple thing, but it feels more familiar. It feels a little bit more personal. It feels a, that familiarity is probably a good thing. There are times to be very formal. There's times to be very precise. However, in again, these are not silver bullets here. So in some cases, you just want to keep it conversational. I think that can be a really powerful way to, to write your scripts, to create your videos. I mean, that's we're basing this whole episode off of being conversational versus trying to be really buttoned up and strict. That doesn't mean con don't control your language. I want to be clear. You control your language, you control the amount, but you want to be thoughtful about how you do it. So it comes across more personal. Next one up have energy and evoke emotion. So let's get real. Can we get real for a second here? I know most of you, I get on camera and I get excited. I'm, I'm loud. I go, my volume goes up. My pitch goes up. I'm like, yeah, this is exciting. But here's the reality. That's not me all the time. Uh, in fact, you'll probably hear, if you talk to my, my family today, they're probably like, yeah, he's pretty quiet today. Because that's typically me. I think the thing here is that you need to bring more energy to your camera. If you're going to be on camera, even in your screencast, even if it's just your voice that's getting captured or someone else's, ask them to bring some more energy because that's going to feel through the camera. The camera's going to, and the microphone are going to diminish it a little bit because it's a recorded medium. But if your audience doesn't feel that, if you're like just really dry, and I apologize, I'm going to do this for a second. If your audience is just, really dry and it's not very exciting to listen to they probably stop watching it's probably not worth their time or their effort uh, 
Now that's an oversimplification, over-exaggeration of the situation, right? But what I can say is that if you have energy and you're evoking emotion, you're pulling, you want to pull up the heartstrings a little bit, that's going to keep them engaged. Now, what could that be? Well, if you ever watched a commercial on television, I know those are kind of a thing that still, uh, that made you feel something like your eyes watered or you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's just calling her mom now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Emotion, right? Advertisers are doing it. Why can't we? Why can't we use it to get people excited, get them pumped up or doing whatever you need to do to help them to, to connect with the material? Now, it shouldn't be overly forced. It shouldn't be overly fake. We don't want to pe make people try to cry just to make them cry. That's not the point. The point is you're evoking emotion that's going to help them to understand and to remember. I think, I, I don't have the research with me, but it, I, I feel like emotion and learning can go hand in hand. And if you're making them angry, by the way, learning's not happening. I don't learn when I'm angry. I learn after the fact. I learn, I, but you can learn if they're happy and they're excited and they're feeling that. You want them to, to come through that. I love this quote, and I'm gonna get myself out of the way just so you can see the attribution here. Oops, wrong one. There we go. Video can convey an appropriate emotional tone in a way that text alone can't manage. And that's from Jody Harris. She's the director of editorial content and curation at Content Marketing Institute. And I love that, right? Like an image says a lot. You've probably seen some amazing images in your life and they say so much, but video has an advantage. It has sound and it has movement and you can capture way more information about a scene or situation than you can, uh, you know, with just an image. Now, again, don't take me wrong. Not everyone, every video you make should be a tearjerker or emotional roller coaster, things like that. This is where we have to be prudent and we apply it when it and where it makes sense. So definitely think about those things. Think about how you might inject some emotion and that could be happiness, that can be sadness, that could be anger. There's, uh, in fact, there's a whole emotion wheel you can probably find out there. There's a lot of emotions. Um, and there's some you probably want to stay away from. Uh, case in point, quick story time. Super Bowl ads, really good at this, right? There was a Super Bowl ad from a number of years ago from a company that offers websites. I'm not going to say their name, but they had a really a stereotypical geeky dude, like, you know, glasses, tape, whatever. And then they had a supermodel. So geeky dude, supermodel, right? And what did they end up doing? They kissed. Okay. That ad there was some research done around it. That ad evoked a lot of emotion, negative emotion, because people didn't like whatever they saw. No offense to the geeky dude or the pretty person that just, it just evokes some bad things. That's highly remembered. Like I still remember seeing it, but it had a negative connotation. That's not the thing that we want to imbue upon our learners or our viewers over video. And, and I mean, maybe Hey guys, there's lots of videos out there. Maybe that's what you're going for. But I'm guessing in most cases, especially related to learning, instructional content, educational content, not what we want to do. So keep that in mind. You can have a bad effect if you try to put motion in in a wrong way. So let's keep going though. Humor. Humor me, will you? <laughs> so here's the thing about humor. I, I love a good funny video. I don't think I'm particularly funny though. Like it, what we, we have a, a coworker, she's been at TechSmith a while. She, she moved from our sales team to our marketing team today and we got some facts and I, I'm gonna, one thing that she said she had to do was do a 15 minute standup routine in front of her whole, like this university, uh, it was at, at school, a higher, a higher education. And that was part of her class. 15 minutes of comedy. I would bomb. I'm like, good, I can talk for a long time, but I don't know that I'm funny. So humor is really hard. And so if you're going to do humor, here's the problem. You've got to make sure it's really funny. And it's not that it's funny to you. And it's not that it's, an, it can't be an inside joke. It's got to be actually funny to the people in your audience. They have to actually get it. And that can be hard. You also have to be very careful because your humor, as funny as you might be, may not be read correctly in terms of how people are like, oh my gosh, I'm, they could be offended. And if you've ever been in that situation, that's not what you're going to want to do because you're you're taking all of a sudden, once you offend someone or your humor goes askew, they're no longer focused on the thing that you're trying to tell them. They're focused on that. 
and they feel bad, and they're associating that bad feeling with your video and maybe even with you. And that's a disaster. However, I think there can be good uses of video, I think, or humor. I think humor can be really powerful if done well. I know we, we talked to one company and one of the things that they said they would do is at the end of their videos, they'd have their blooper reels. Like we like watching our coworkers kind of mess up and because sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it took them 20 times to say that word. <laughs> you know, it's great. Um, and so there, there's things like that you can do. And I'm not saying steer away from humor, but just know that there are boundaries here with humor that you gotta be careful. You know, you might want to run it by some people and make, hey, is this really funny? Did this, did it land? Um, we've done some April Fool's jokes in the past and I thought they were hilarious. I don't know what anybody else thought, but I think, you know, they were at least, they were at least in good taste. Um, so you just want to be really thoughtful about uh, the humor you do. We are going to, um, I want to take a look at a quick ad and uh, all credit goes to Kmart for this ad. This is, I think this is a funny video. It's using some wordplay. So if you're from an international audience and English isn't your first language, you may be hard to, the, the, the wordplay is the word, they're talking about uh, online shipping, shipping of their goods and services. Now Kmart's really not much of a thing anymore. Um, so they're talking about that and they use it to basically parody a swear word about bowel movements. So we're gonna watch part of this. Uh, I think it's funny, so I apologize if you don't think it's funny, but I want to talk about particularly the reason why this is clever, but also why I don't think it works. So let's go ahead and watch that. Ship my pants. Right here? Ship my pants, you're kidding. You can ship your pants right here. You hear that? I can ship my pants for free. Wow, I just may ship my pants. Yeah, ship your pants. Billy, you can ship your pants too. I can't wait to ship my pants, Dad. I just shipped my pants and it's very convenient. Very convenient. I just shipped my drawers. I just shipped my nightie. I just shipped my bed. If you can't find what you're looking for oh, in no. store, we'll find it at Kmart.com right now and ship it to you for free. Clever wordplay for, for their English American speaking audience. Uh, probably, probably spent a lot of money on this ad. It, it, it actually got millions and millions of views. But here's the thing, commentary-wise about this, though, that it's funny, and you probably kind of remember what it will, is about, like, oh, they offer shipping, but this is pre, like, the collapse of their store, and the store obviously didn't rebound. It didn't make a significant difference. Now, now it's not fair to say that one ad campaign could do that, but humor, you could see how their audience, some people probably really loved it, and some people probably were like, this is not for me. What? Why are they doing this? Why are they taking this? It's, you know. So you have to be really, really careful. Um, I've again, I've seen this ad many, many times. I always find it funny, uh, but it's. I think it's because sometimes I'm like a little child. So and I just laugh at the wordplay because it's so funny. Uh, they they did a, a great job creatively, but I think it has problems um, that it didn't work. So that's that's the risk with humor, right? Like, does is it really going to solve the problem? Is it? I, I like it, but you got to be careful with it. Okay. Have we not talked about good audio quality enough? Uh, good audio is going to be super, can be super engaging. Actually, it's, that's not even true. What I think is true is bad audio is not engaging. Bad audio will ruin a good video, as we've said before. And so if you're making a video and your audio stinks, you got to fix it. You just got to fix it. You got to get over it buy a microphone, invest in good audio, do what you can. Now, with that said, there's lots of different types of good audio. You know, like you got to think about the scale, what's going to work, but is it clear? Can they hear and understand you? And are you giving them like no reason to stop listening? Case in point, had an audio book one time and the, the narrator did a great job, except there were certain times they whistled with their And it was a higher pitch whistle. I didn't, I didn't do it justice there. And I just remember thinking every time I heard it, I can't listen anymore. Now I powered through it, but I was like, oh my gosh, if they whistle once more time, ah, ah, you don't want to, you don't want to hear that. And so you got to think about these things and, you know, figure out how you can make sure you're not driving your listeners and viewers crazy with it. All right. And I'm in the way again. So let me get out of the way. Music. Music is awesome. 
I love music. Music is fantastic. Music can change the dynamics of an interesting video. It can change everything. If you've watched a movie, you've heard the soundtrack score, did you notice it? Is it something that was like registering? Sometimes, yes. But you can literally change the, the feel of a video by the music you choose. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that music isn't always a solution here. It's not always the way we engage, but it can help evoke some of these emotions. It can help kind of keep things moving along if done well, uh, which is which can be challenging. So uh, one of the things I wanna do, I, I, I took some stock photo. It was really simple. I took some stock photo. I basically duplicated it. So I said, here's a little video. I just cut like three clips together. Here's another video, exact same thing. So, and then I just laid two different audio tracks underneath. And what I want you to do is we're gonna watch the first one and then we're gonna watch the second one. And what I, what I really want you to do is just pay attention to how does it make you feel? What's, what's the feelings inside as you, we, we watch these? So let's go ahead and start with the first one. Okay, interesting. Let's watch the second one. Same, again, same video clip, different music. Okay, there we go. So we had one that had this kind of sad underlay of music. It seemed like it was something had happened. Something was bad and he was out in sorrow. But the second one was much more epic. Like he had just conquered the world. Nothing else about that video was different except for the sound. And so as you're starting to make your videos, really be thinking about the sound that is going to impact your audience. And is that music gonna get in the way of learning? Is it gonna get away in the way of the message? And and so really start to pay attention to those things because you can change, like, just imagine had I, you know, put uh, yeah, another type of music. Maybe I put something that was creepy. You know, is there a zombie horde behind him? What's, what's happening? We wouldn't know. So music is powerful. It can really affect us in a lot of different ways. And I think this is a secret power of a lot of video and professional videos. Uh, learning videos, again, you have to be really thoughtful about the choosing to use music when it's appropriate, when it's not gonna distract the brain from what they're seeing and hearing from like the instructional information. So just, just another thought there. We're back to this, interesting and relevant. Yeah, it comes to play. The things that we're showing throughout our videos should be interesting and relevant. I don't know if it works. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let's just dish here. I'm feeling very honest today. I don't know if it works, but I like the way my slides look. Be and the reason I like it is because they don't look just like a PowerPoint slide. They look a little bit more interesting. I think. Are they relevant? They try to be. We're talking about relevant, interesting visuals, and therefore I put a picture of camera. It's a stretch sometimes. I know, but what you want to do is be able to uh, allow people to understand what's going on. We wanna help them to drive them to pay attention, right? So if they've seen things that are relevant and interesting, uh, we're good to go. Paul asks this question, he says, it's so hard to get people to give feedback that I never really know. Any tips on getting feedback on videos? What, oh my gosh, yes. This is, this is such an important thing. If you're gonna make engaging videos, cause you gotta get that feedback. So, Paul. Let's let's talk just you and me for a second here. First and foremost, understand what kind of feedback you really want because the coin is very thin on this that it's going to flip either way. You're, you're probably struggling to get none right now. You're getting none right now. But the other side of the coin is that you're going to get stuff that you don't like. Oh, I don't need that as feedback. So first and foremost is to find people that you know you can trust to ask them for specific things like, hey, you know. I'm working on this idea here. There's this one section, like, you know, about 30 seconds I'm really struggling with. 
is, is there something you think that would make this better? Or, you know, hey, I chose some music. What do you think of the music? If that's what you care about. Or, hey, I, I tried to do something different. I wanted to go add a little humor in here. Did you find this funny? In, in any way, do you think this would bother someone? And so ask specific questions. I, finding those people that, you, at Pixar, they call a brain trust. I, you know, in, in TechSmith, I had a group, we had a group of instructional designers working on video. And we got to the point where we were just very open with each other to the point of the brute feedback was sometimes brutal in the best kind of way. But you build a relationship, but ask for specific things, you know, if, you know, and even, even, you know, giving them a, giving them a timeline saying like, Hey, you know, you don't have to watch the whole thing. Just watch this portion. I, I really could use this by next Tuesday. Uh, that can really help. Uh, I think also making it as easy as possible to get that feedback. So here's the thing about video feedback I find difficult sometimes. People will send me a video, ask for feedback, and then I'm like, I'm going to write an email that is really long. Ugh, that's not fun for me. So there are tools, things like uh, Video Review, Nomeo Pro have this, but there's other tools out there as well, not just Toot and Text Horn, but we've got some tools that will make it easy to put the feedback right at the point of time. I find it just speeds up the entire process. Um, so giving them mechanisms or even just telling them like, Hey, you know, just put a timestamp and tell me what you think or make a video <laughs> or just, you know, take a screenshot and, and point out what you, what you need me to know. So I think enable, you want to enable them. Um, but most people don't know about video, right? Like you're probably the video expert where you are. So remember that and, and say like, Hey, I'm asking for feedback. Is my video really too dark? Is the lighting really that bad? I mean, should I, should I turn on the lights? Cause I could. And, and then make sure you show them that you've given, you've accepted that feedback and done something with it. Cause one thing that people don't like is like, I'm giving all this feedback and then they don't make that change. Ugh, why, why should I waste my time if they're not even going to listen to me? So I think those are some basic things that we actually have, um, there was a, well, it's a little bit different, but there's a, a visual lounge from long ago about giving and receiving feedback. But I think those are a few things that you can do right out of the gate. Just ask for specifics. Like, and you can even tell them what to ignore. Like, hey, this music isn't final. Don't just don't pay attention to it. They will anyways, because they'll notice it. Um, but you know, just give them a, a list of things like, hey, I'm I'm looking for this. Did this help you to do XYZ? Uh, and then maybe even ask people in your target audience. Like, hey, Matt, I know you're trying to learn how to do some CSS. Uh, I made a quick video on it. Would you mind watching to see, does this answer some questions you had? Did this help you be more successful? And that can be valuable too. So great question, Paul. I love it because, and the reason it all ties in is because if you're going to make engaging videos, you need to get feedback. You can't just guess, you can't just assume. Um, I think there are times and places where you can kind of go light on feedback, but it's so helpful. And if you get someone that's really good that you can really trust, uh, for me, it's Anton Bolin. I know any video I send him, he will tear apart. And I really trust his feedback because I know he knows what he's talking about. But also I feel very confident that he is interested in my time, that like he's not going to just give me feedback just because he's giving me feedback because he wants it to be better. And he's a, per I wouldn't say he's a perfectionist, but he values really good looking content. All right. Color. Color is so important, right? Adding splashes of color, getting your color right on screen. Uh, you've got all sorts of things. In fact, you know, one of the things we can do with color is you can adjust the color of your lighting. You can adjust the color of your background. You can even just, you know, I don't know. Oh gosh, turn on some lights, right? Now we got more color or we have less color depending on what you want to do. Uh, so I think it really just kind of depends on your video, but color can be indicative of many different things that can help pull people in. For instance, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan at all. I've actually not ever seen the show. Um, I hear I didn't miss much, but this is how the colors changed over seven seasons. The reason they use color throughout all these episodes is it starts to be signifying, right? Like I'm guessing the blues, it's cold. I don't know. Again, I've never seen the show. Jesse, I'm sorry, Jesse, you're going to have to tell me about it, but you can use color throughout your productions to really tie things together, indicate brand, indicate, you know, feeling, emotion, things like that. So it might be the color shirts you're wearing. Uh, it might be the background colors. It might be how you're tinting things. It can, color can go a long way at conveying to your audience and it can just help keep things spiced up a little bit too. Motion. 
think move, draw attention. And so as you're building out your videos, think about is, is this staying in one shot for too long? In fact, one of the reasons I'm switching around here, yes, it's because, because it, it's something I'm trying to show things in the best possible way. But the other thing is by changing up my shots, Hopefully it's keeping you paying. Oh, what happened? What, what am I missing? Oh, he just, he went to a slide deck. Okay, wait, wait a second. Now he's got a picture in picture. Well, why is he in there? You know, oh, now he's full screen. Okay, so I'm just changing those things partly because it's I'm optimizing for what I'm trying to show. But in addition, I'm hopefully trying to draw some attention, keep pe people paying attention. Whether it works or not, you tell me. So with motion, I'm gonna show another video clip. This is a video that I shot, uh, again, part of my days in marketing, and so it's a little bit older. A good friend uh, of TechSmith, Cravings Popcorn, uh, the owner, Chad Jordan, was making a lot of videos using Camtasia, things like that. Um, and it's less about the content of this video, but look for the subtle use of motion throughout it. We, w we probably won't watch the whole thing because we don't want to spend a you know the minute 40 on it. I think it just kind of cuts off at the end anyway, but let's go ahead and watch how we use motion in this particular video. I own Cravings Gourmet Popcorn and Soda Pop Market. We have uh, about 20 different varieties of gourmet popcorn and nearly 200 kinds of glass bottle soda pop. We've had a direct correlation between the content that we create and the customers that we see. We engage our customers in many ways. Um, we've tried traditional marketing in the past, and that has worked. But we're also very heavy into social media. And we're not afraid to be, I don't know if cutting edge is the right word, but we're not afraid to use tools. Okay, so we got Chad there. Most of the, the video things are moving. Like the camera's panning, you got some little motion, like you, you've got so much movement going on there, except for maybe when Chad is talk, talking, he's a little bit more steady, but even he's moving, right? There's motion. And again, we're trying to draw that attention. Uh, whether this is a highly successful video or not, you know, that's let people that watch it judge. Um, we were trying to tell a story. And I think for me, it was a great lesson in like, keep things moving. You know, and it was easy to do. It wasn't like these were big dramatic movements. It's maybe a pan. Um, and, and there's going to be times when that's not going to work. You're going to have a talking head and it's going to just be faster and easier to have them stand there and talk. But do think about how can you keep things changing? I, I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. If, you ever watch, if you're watching television, watching a movie and you're kind of bored because it's like the 20th time you've seen it, probably we, I'd be watching The Office or something like that. As you watch it, do this little experiment. Just start counting how long they hold on one single shot. And that, and a hold on a shot means it's just stationary. It's not panning. It's not cutting to someone else. It's not a different shot completely. And you'll, you'll be surprised at how quickly they are changing shots all the time, right? It's going quickly. I did this once with, a, I think it was an episode of Stranger Things, and I could never get past like two seconds. Now, I imagine something that's more documentary style, actually like The Office, might have some longer shots. But even then, things are going to be changing frequently. And that's, again, the draw attention, keep you focused in. And just that feeling of motion feels like even a longer video isn't so long. So keep things moving. Another thing, faces. Oh, my gosh. Faces are amazing. Humans are wired to see faces and to look at faces. So when you see a face, and I'm not saying have a face up the entire time. In fact, boom, get rid of my face there. You see faces on screen. It's, it's, you're like naturally inclined to look at the face. Babies are naturally inclined to look at faces. We as adults are naturally inclined to look at faces. Now, some of us unfortunately get that kind of out of us. We get shy, we get embarrassed, we get whatever. We don't want to look at somebody in the eye because that's a conflict. But faces are amazing. Um, in fact, uh, and this is going to be a guest in June, Daniel Quick was telling me, he's works vice president of thought industries in their customer education side of things, tell me that faces actually, at one of the places he worked, they put faces at the person at the beginning of their videos and it saw completion rates increase. That's amazing to me. And so faces are really powerful. So think about how you can incorporate a face here and there. Again, it doesn't need to be through the entire video. You don't need to do the square like I'm doing right now. Just include some faces. And you'll see, I think you'll see your overall engagement increase as well. Man, time is cruising by. So let's keep things moving here. Thanks for everybody for your questions and thoughts today. Make sure you let us know if you got more. Think about these advertisements. 
You guys may recognize, if you're in the U.S., you probably recognize this as a spokesperson for a while for Sprint. But before that, he was a spokesperson for anyone? Bueller? Bueller? I think it was Verizon, right? And uh, maybe it was Altel. I don't even remember which. But do we care? Why do they use mascots like these people as these representatives? And it's, you know, it's because people connect with people. We have an affinity towards other people. We like people who are like us or seem like us or have some kind of thing that like us. So Paul looks like a, a decently nerdy guy. So maybe I'm more likely to take advice from Paul. Now, what about this guy? Another insurance, insurance agencies have a lot of these people. Let me tell you, this is a guy, a character named Mayhem, right? Like, do you remember the brand? I don't know if I do. I don't know if I actually remember the brand. I, I'm going to take a guess, but I can't remember. So guess what? But I know him. I know him as a character. I know he's bad. It's bad news when he shows up right in any commercial. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I can't remember the brand. But that's why they're using it. They want you to make the connection. In this case, it didn't work very well, but faces are good. So I, I definitely remember Paul. I remember that he worked for these different companies, but mayhem, we know. Oh gosh, bad things can happen. I need insurance. Okay, we're gonna change gears here for a second. Let's talk about something different. Those were all passive strategies. We love passive strategies because they just kind of happen to our audience. You know, we have to be thoughtful about them. We have to use them in uh, not all at once. We have to use them in carefully, you know, make sure we're really hitting the mark on that. But there are some things that we can do that get the person to actually engage. Now, depending on your tool, you might have some different variety of options here. Um, and again, these things might be you might want to use carefully and with prudence. Um, but let's talk about some active strategies as we get close to the end of our time today. Uh, gosh, this feels like a cop-out, but it's not. If you're going to use an active strategy, it has to be a planned strategy. You do not want to just go into it and thinking, I'm going to make something engaging that they're going to have to do and not plan it out. And that's part of the the process here. So if you're going to make some kind of interaction, you're going to do all these different things, put a plan in place so your video can be successful and not just add it to add it. That's that's the, against the point. You want to build these in strategically so they're actually going to have an impact and help your learner, your viewer, to get the message, to learn the thing, to do the thing, to enact however, whatever it is that you want them to do. Have that action help them to do that. So one way you can do this is by building something that's interactive. There's lots of ways that you could make it. It could be a hot spot that they click on. It could be asking them. These don't have to be complicated interactions, by the way. It could be they click on a hot spot, like a link that takes them out to a web page to read about a procedure. You could ask them to take a quiz. You could ask them to fill out a survey. Uh, if you got really fancy and you know lots of different programs, you could make various types of interactions that are different that make things do, but it's less in the realm of video. But in video, you can do some very simple interactions. Now, if you're going to YouTube, let's just be clear, your uh, availability of interactions is probably limited. However, can I put forward this idea? The interactions that we talk about oftentimes are things like quizzes and hotspots. Awesome, love them. But what if... What if the interaction isn't actually in the video? What if they're interacting with their environment around them and the video is just simply setting up the scenario or the opportunity? You're asking them to go and find an example of a, let's say it's health and safety, lockout, tagout. Or maybe they're in an office setting and you want them to go find an example of your, maybe it's orientation, where they can find the AED device that's going to allow if someone's having a cardiac arrest that you can do the, put the paddles on in a whole nine yard. Maybe they need to interact in a different way. And maybe the quiz or the interactive click button thing is them clicking to, to ensure that they've done that. Just a thought. So you can be interactive. It could be more of an interactive story. Maybe you're asking them to pr propose a thing like, okay, we've put up the story. Here we go. Now, what would you do? And you're asking them to fill out something that's not even in the video. So you can use interactivity. I think you got to use it wisely. You don't want every video to be feel like a drag that they're doing like, oh my gosh, this is going to take me, if the video is only five minutes, but it's going to take me 15 minutes or 20. It's going to take me an hour to do the rest of it. Ugh. You don't, you'll lose them. But you want to think about that interactivity. Again, pull them in. It might even be at, at strategic points along the way. This one, 
you know, I made this slide a long time ago, and I, I have some thoughts about it. But I, I, here's the general idea about round connecting. Your video is about connecting them, and so asking them to connect to something, to a person, I think is, is a valuable strategy. Maybe it's your mentor. It's part of the mentoring process of onboarding. Have them go actually talk to someone. Get out of the video for a second. Jump on a, a Zoom call, a, a Teams call, whatever tool you're using. Maybe that's part of the connecting, right? Maybe you're getting them to do some kind of other action that connects them to a bigger, broader network. Maybe you're getting them connecting to Slack or Teams or whatever it might be. I think generally the idea though is we want our, our viewers to, to do take action beyond these, just the interactive pieces to connect. This last one, again, ties kind of the whole pieces together is make sure there's a follow-through. They watched the video and therefore what? I've, I watched a video on health and safety, what? What do I do with that? Do I just store it away in my brain and hope it, I remember it comes into use? Some videos, you will have that success. Some courses, you'll have that success. Some messages, you'll have that success. But a lot of times, we're consuming so much information, I think it goes in and then it's like, oh, I didn't have to do anything with it, so guess what? I don't have to do anything with it, boop, gone. So you wanna be thinking about that follow through. And again, that could be uh, after the video is done, do they take an action? Do they, they reflect on it? Actually, Richard, Dr. Richard Mayer talks about this in one of his research articles, reflection. If someone reflects on the, what they've learned, it is powerful. They watch the video and reflect on it, it can be a, a great learning tool. So you wanna give them something to follow through on. It's not just like, great, good to know. Well, that's the end of the show, so guess what? That means I'm gonna, it's time that I give you something to follow through with. Here's the thing I want you to do. Take, take any one of these things, and I'd like in your next video, and hopefully you've got another video scheduled, because if you're making, not making videos on somewhat of the regular, you lose your skills. They get rusty, it gets harder to make videos. So here's what I ask. Pick one thing that you learned today and try it. And then, if you're so inclined, email thevisuallounge at techsmith.com and let us know, did it work? Did it not work? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Did you think of something that would be even better to do? Another type of engagement. Because here's the thing, I need you to follow through with this. You've learned these things, you've been with me the whole show, which I hope you have. Awesome, but now it's time to put the, the, this into practice because all of these are great ideas, but they are really most powerful when we apply them. So with that said, uh, we've got some time. I'm gonna take some other questions here. But if you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much. If you're watching online live, we go live on Thursdays, usually at 2 p.m. Sometimes we have to adjust to get guests. We wanna thank you for that. Next week, we've got Tim Schmoyer. If, if that name doesn't mean anything to you, he is a very successful business person who has like a million subscribers or more on YouTube. Uh, he is awesome. He has made a lot of videos. I've known Tim for a number of years. Used to write for Real SEO, which was a, a blog about creating video and SEO. Uh, fantastic person in general. And uh, he's actually got a course, uh, well, an interview in the TechSmith Academy you can check out as well. So with that said, thank you everybody. 